0: Hey everybody, Alex here from vapepassion.com. Welcome back to The Vape Passion Show. This is episode four. All right, so like always, we have a lot to cover, so let's just jump right into it. First, I came across this article talking about Rep- Representative Tom Cole, a Republican from Oklahoma. So he assigned H.R. 2058 last April to a congressional committee to amend the Federal Food and Drug and Com- Cosmetic Act, which would change the date to exclude vaping products that were deemed as tobacco product by the FDB- FDA and the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act of 2009. So, so the way the bill is proposed right now is that anything before 2007 is exempt from the deeming regulation. Uh, which pretty much leaves nothing. Uh, Representative Tom Cole, he assigned HR 2058 last April to amend this proposal to to change the date. So really what this article is talking about is that the momentum is building for this amendment so that the people are really coming out and understanding and supporting this bill and helping people understand how important this bill is which is great and I think everybody should be supporting this and uh, what this article calls out here at the end is that there are now 48 representatives all Republicans co-sponsoring HR 2058 so I think it's really important that right now you you contact your state representatives and tell them how you feel and and why this is so important this really could be one of the things that saves vaping so this next one is from Dr. Siegel, another one of these crazy stories where scientists are telling people that cigarettes are just as dangerous as electronic cigarettes and you know all of us know by now that that's just ridiculous so this is a So this is about a NYU researcher who was at a a meeting of the American Academy for the Advancement of Science. In his presentation, he says that e-cigarettes are just as dangerous to your health as cigarettes. So his claim wasn't supported by any scientific studies or data. And interestingly enough, his presentation only showed that among mice, in utero exposure to e-cigarette vapor causes reduced sperm counts in juvenile offspring. So it had nothing to do with e-cigarettes being as dangerous as regular cigarettes. Dr. Siegel points out, the presentation has already led to damaging media coverage, which went as far as arguing that women who switch from tobacco cigarettes to e-cigarettes during pregnancy are damaging their unborn babies and that e-cigarettes are worse for babies' health than tobacco smoke. The professor was quoted as saying, are they safer than cigarettes? The answer's not there, but they don't appear to be. So what Dr. Siegel points out here is that one of the biggest concerns with statements like that is that it could convince former smokers who quit using vaping products to return to smoking. And he goes on to say it's absolutely the case that pregnant women should not use electronic cigarettes. They should not use any nicotine containing product, whether it be tobacco, electronic cigarettes, or smokeless tobacco. But can we not get that message across without lying to the public? And then he says, many women have severe trouble quitting smoking during pregnancy. By scaring them into thinking that e-cigarettes are just as hazardous or worse, we may actually be encouraging these women to continue smoking. And he says, if a woman can quit smoking during pregnancy, there's a better chance that she will be able to stay off cigarettes after pregnancy. And that's huge. If you go out and say that women shouldn't be using e-cigarettes, what are they gonna do? We already know that in a lot of cases, They're not gonna go to the nicotine patch or nicotine gum because it just doesn't work. So why not give them the option to to use e-cigarettes? It's really sad that people in the the health community are still presenting electronic cigarettes and vaping as as this big risk that it isn't. Okay, so this next one is from VaporVoiceMagazine.com. It's titled Proper Appraisal. The subtitle is Assessing the Safety and Evaluating the Risk of Novel Tobacco and Nicotine Products. This is written by Marina Murphy, who is the Head of Scientific Media Relations, Research and Development at British American tobacco, which is big tobacco in the UK. So this is a study that that BAT has done. So it starts out by saying, e-cigarettes hold great potential for reducing smoking-related disease, but this needs to be scientifically proven. So British American Tobacco and others are developing tests to help them understand their products and their biological impact. Such tests will help better define and further reduce any residual risk to as low a level as possible and help establish appropriate quality control and standards and further reassure consumers, regulators, and public health as to the reduced risk potential of these and other products. So in short, they're doing a study to show how little a risk there is in electronic cigarettes, especially as it compares to regular cigarettes. So in their study, there are several steps. The first step is to understand how consumers use the products. Uh, This helps to ensure that machine testing of e-cigarettes mimic real life use and gives realistic results. The next step is laboratory and clinical testing to determine whether these products emit and deliver fewer toxicants than conventional cigarettes. So they're going to use cell-based tests. One test uses a 3D model of human lung tissue to examine the impact of e-cigarette vapor versus smoke on cell health. And then testing moves on to determine what impact, if any, a reduction in toxicants will have on a person's individual risk. So what they've already found from testing, they did a scratch test is what they call it. When the cells were exposed to smoke, they seemed to lose their sense of direction and position relevant to other cells. They appeared confused and could not find their way across the gap. The wound did not close. By contrast, when the cells were exposed to e-cigarette vapor, the cells quickly closed the gap in much the same way as they would when just exposed to air. So these early stage results demonstrate that in comparison to cigarettes, these new products have great potential to demonstrate reduction in disease-relevant risk. So I think a lot of people don't like to support anything that Big Tobacco does, but, this is really what we have. Big Tobacco has the money to do these studies, and they're gonna, this is a great study. They're gonna show that vaping is safer than smoking. Whether anyone believes it because of the fact that it comes from British American Tobacco, who knows? If the data is done right and there's nothing to dispute, then you know, then that would be great. Vaping on Stratus by Vista Vapors, by the way. It's uh, one of their premium flavors. It's uh, berries and melon and candy. It's pretty good. Okay, so this next article is on Gawker.com, titled, Where was all the vape talk at the debate? So, Grover Norquist, who is a politician and a president of the Americans for Tax Reform, after the Republican debate on February 13th, he started posting on Twitter uh, saying things like, none of the candidates mentioned the Obama slash Democrat war on vaping and the 10 million Americans who vape. Missed opportunity. And a following tweet that said, Hillary, Dems, and the FDA have declared war of annihilation against vaping. That is 10 million Americans so threatened, enough to swing election. Someone named Kirill Ugarov he said, also, today I learned that Grover Norquist vapes, because otherwise, why would he care so much? And Grover Norquist, he responded to that saying, I do not vape, but I see a constituency for liberty and support it. So I think that's really great to have someone who's a non-smoker, non-vaper, supporting vaping. And I think he makes a really good point. Why haven't any of the candidates talked about vaping? Maybe it's not a big enough issue to them, I don't know, seems pretty big to me. Or maybe they're avoiding it for a reason, I don't know. But what I'm wondering is how do we get them to talk about it? What can we do to get them to talk about it in a debate? I've seen in political debates where they've taken questions from Twitter or through email or whatever, and I don't know how to find where to submit those questions. I did some searching online and I I couldn't find anywhere to make any submissions. So if you know where something like that can be done, find that out and spread the word and, and make sure that all of these candidates, Republican and Democrat, know that this is an important issue that needs to be talked about. All right, this next one is on Daily Caller. This one is titled, Leading Tobacco Control Expert Says anti esig Lobby is Like Abstinence-Only Movement. So one of the world's leading tobacco control experts, David Sweener, he's speaking out against the anti-vaping movement. Him being a fairly prolific voice within the tobacco control community, he says, We had this fundamental problem that you had people that had taken an absolutist position. This is all about right and wrong, and they were more like the abstinence-only people on sex education or on drugs or alcohol. They saw any alternative product as a problem because it might potentially allow a cigarette company to morph into something else and it's a battle against these companies they couldn't allow that to happen he points out that he was involved in a whole range of things with smoking on the policy economic front things like increasing tobacco taxes reducing points of sale getting cigarette bans in hospitals and pharmacies getting rid of countertop displays powerball displays getting rid of cigarette advertising sports sponsorships cultural sponsorships smoking on airplanes, and at grocery stores, workplaces, elevators, pretty much everywhere. So he makes it clear that he is a part of the anti-smoking movement and a longtime opponent of major tobacco companies. And he says that one of the original goals of him and his colleagues was tobacco harm reduction, not prohibition. But he says now the, the anti-smoking movement has undergone a radical change with a split occurring between those who favor harm reduction and those who want the public to give up nicotine altogether. And he was quoted as saying, Why is it that the same people, if you say, what do you think about sex education for teenagers? Or what do you think about giving people access to diet things rather than sugary drinks? They're all on board. They have no problems with these sorts of things. And you say, and what do you think about the idea of allowing smokers to get the nicotine today that won't kill them? And they get really upset about the idea. And he says, I think a lot of people are very well-meaning, but they have very rigid morality. They saw the world in terms of black and white, right and wrong, and they saw this battle not so much as a public health battle, as a political battle against companies so he made a lot of great points there especially about how when him and his colleagues originally got into into the field that they're in they were all about harm reduction and then somehow throughout, t- along the way, they just, all they think about is prohibition now. They don't want to allow it. They don't want to allow adults to make up their own minds on whether or not they should use nicotine. So he he compared them to people who are all about abstinence. And you know, to most people, that's a little overboard. Uh, and I think that's how we're all feeling here about vaping. And when, with all of these anti-tobacco people wanting to ban vaping, prohibit vaping, it's, uh, it's just a little bit too far, especially with how much we know about vaping now and how many people, whether anecdotal or not, are quitting smoking by using electronic cigarettes and the research showing how much safer it is than, than tobacco, than, than cigarettes, it's just just amazing. They could really, all, all of these anti-tobacco people really could learn something from this guy. Okay, moving on to another blog post from Brad Rodu. This one is titled, Through With Chew Week, Don't Be Fooled. Every third week of February, every year, there is an annual Through With Chew public relations campaign where tobacco prohibitionists are promoting campaigns to scare people away from using smokeless tobacco. He talks about how people are publishing unscientific and unsubstantiated claims about smokeless tobacco, and he goes through seven different claims and then discusses the facts about each of them. So I'm gonna quickly, try and quickly go through these. So claim number one. Chew products deliver a higher dose of nicotine than cigarettes, making the product more habit-forming. The fact, the amount of nicotine that smokeless tobacco delivers is irrelevant because chewers and dippers use products in different ways that satisfies them. And also there's evidence from one of the world's foremost authorities on nicotine addiction that smokeless tobacco is less habit-forming than cigarettes. Claim number two, smokeless, spit tobacco contains over 2,000 chemicals. The fact, every natural product, including coffee, contains thousands of chemicals. A product's chemical composition is unimportant if it carries little or no risk. Like coffee, smokeless tobacco fits in that category. Claim number three. Chew contains at least 28 chemicals that have been found to cause cancer. The fact. Almost everything we eat contains concert chemicals, but they are in trace levels that present no risk. Numerous scientific studies prove that there are vanishingly small levels of carcinogens in modern smokeless tobacco products. Claim number four. Harmless effects of smokeless tobacco include mouth, tongue, esophageal, and throat cancer, stomach, and pancreatic cancer. The facts. According to dozens of published studies, the risks for these cancers are not elevated. Claim number five. Harmful effects of smokeless tobacco include increased risk of heart disease, heart attacks, and stroke. The facts. Among the many risk factors for heart disease and stroke, smoking is one of the biggest. This That is not the case with smokeless tobacco. When the American Heart Association conducted an extensive investigation of smokeless tobacco and heart disease, it found almost nothing. Claim number six. Harmful effects of smokeless tobacco include leukoplechia, which are white sores in the mouth that can become cancer. The fact. White patches are common in chewers and dippers, but they are nearly always benign. The link with mouth cancer is virtually zero. And lastly, claim number seven. Harmful effects of smokeless tobacco include receding gums, bone loss around the roots of the teeth, and abrasion of teeth. The facts there is virtually no scientific evidence that smokeless tobacco is a risk factor for any dental problems. In fact, one study shows that snooze and moist snuff might be protective against cavities. I know this is a show about vaping, but I'm also all about whatever we can use to help people quit smoking or to reduce their risk of cancer caused by smoking, and chew is one of those things. Now, what's interesting to me is that I used to chew when I was in high school, I stopped chewing because I thought it was just as bad as smoking. I enjoyed smoking more than I enjoyed chewing so I just went back to smoking. But if I would have known that I could have gotten that nicotine fix by ch- with chew and not have any of the risks, I would have definitely kept chewing. But all of these public relations campaigns were always telling me how bad chew was. And I really just think that, that uh, for anti-tobacco people to to say things like that is is really irresponsible and dangerous. Okay, moving on to a weird one. Now I don't know how true this is. So I found this on SundayWorld.com. A Reddit user, OmegaTigBitties, he posted on Reddit asking users to help and figure out a problem with his e-cigarette. He says, "I went to grab my juice since I haven't vaped in about a week. My juice just sat there and it looked more liquidy than normal. I continued to fill my tank, soaked the wick, and took a hit. What the fuck? The taste I was getting was a mix of dog piss and grape, and no clouds came out. I tried again and again." gagging at the taste, but to no avail. Someone tell me what's going on. So he posted that, got some responses, but then a couple of days later, he published an update. So he posted a picture of a text message that his dad sent him. His dad said, what a shame. They just don't make them like they used to. Must be the Chinese. And then the dad, he says, well, when pissing in the vaping fluid doesn't do the trick, then a guy has to resort to the hammer. And the image, that he posted was his uh Kanker tech sub box mini smashed into pieces with a hammer so his son responded said did you really piss in it vaping ammonia is pretty dangerous more dangerous than juice and the dad said the world is my toilet vaping bottles are my favorite so this crazy dad wa- so badly does not want his son to vape that he is willing to piss in the in his eju that's just way too far that's really a crazy story i don't know if it's true or not it sounds like it's true and you know, crazy, crazy stuff like that happens. I guess I'm really—I'd be really surprised if that dad doesn't get in some trouble for that one. Okay, so now uh, a post from Mooch on Reddit—he published a post about how to extend the life of our batteries. So he says there there are quite a few things that you can do to help your lithium-ion batteries last as long as possible. Some of them are easy and some some are inconvenient. Some have a big effect and some have a little effect, but doing any of them can help slow down the aging and degradation of your batteries. Don't overheat them. High temperatures are the biggest cause of battery damage and reduced battery life. Anything over 113 degrees Fahrenheit, which most would call warm, not even hot, don't use them when they're very cold below negative four degrees Fahrenheit. After using your battery let it cool to room temperature before charging it. Don't over discharge them going below two 0.0 volts or so. If you accidentally over-discharge your battery below 2 volts, immediately recharge it at the slowest rate your charger supports. If the battery has been at 2 volts for a while, then it's probably damaged. Partial discharging and recharging multiple times is better for long battery life than discharging all the way down. After charging your battery, let it cool to room temperature before using it. Don't charge a battery that is below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Where possible, setting your charger to 4.1 volts will reduce the stress on the battery and extend its life. Make sure the charger you use turns off once the charge is complete. Never use a trickle charger with lithium-ion batteries. Don't overcharge them. Have your batteries spend as little as time as possible being fully charged and charge them just before using them. Charge at a slower rate. Charge 18350s at 0.5 amps until you know that they aren't getting more than a bit warm. Charge 26650s at 1 amp until you know that they aren't getting more than a bit warm. Storing batteries in the refrigerator doesn't make a difference in battery life unless you live in an area with high temperatures. If a battery wrap becomes damaged, replace it immediately. And every time you buy batteries, also buy battery boxes or sleeves, wraps, and top insulator rings. So great tips on getting the most out of your batteries. And related to the battery post from Mooch, there was another post from a user named Temple Tam on Reddit. This is a guide to making custom battery wraps. So this is a full walkthrough with photographs and everything. He says it should take less than an hour to do. I'm not gonna go through the whole process because it's a pretty long tutorial. He tells you what you need, he gives you a template, what types of paper you should use, and then he shows the final result. So it's really cool, because you know, batteries usually look pretty ugly, so it's nice to make them match your mod, or you can even add designs so that they're easy to tell apart, and if you're the kind of person who keeps batteries for only one mod and you don't wanna get them mixed up and use them in another mod. It's a very cool post, check that one out. All right, and this last one, on Re- another one on Reddit. Uh, the post is titled, Vape Atomizer Mesh Mystery Box. I am a bit confused about the content. Are aluminum and copper safe to vape? So this guy, he made an order from Crazy Wire. He ordered the vape mystery box, and in it, he received aluminum and copper wire. So Crazy Wire, they're not a vape only company. They also uh, provide supplies to uh, people who, who work with crafts. But the mystery box is advertised for specifically for vaping. And in it, he gets these aluminum and copper wires, which are not safe to vape. So this is scary because someone who doesn't know what they're doing, if they don't realize that copper and aluminum are unsafe to vape, they could get this vape mystery box wrap a coil and vape it and do some serious damage to their health so i haven't heard if there's an update on this yet this was published seven days ago at the time of this recording and still no update so i hope that crazy wired fixes this maybe they don't even know since they're more of a craft company anyway but hopefully they they don't include wires like that in future orders i think they should reach out to anyone who they've already sent this to and and tell them and that those people need to immediately Stop using it if they are. All right, guys, so that's it for this episode. Uh, Thanks for coming by again. You'll find the show notes for this episode with all the links in the description on YouTube or on my website at vapepassion.com, episode 4. Yeah, thanks for coming back for another episode, and I'll see you next week. Cheers.